Welcome to the Sunday Fadeaway Podcast. I am Ryan Kelp, and I appreciate you joining me here today on the first ever issue of the Sunday Fadeaway, a basketball society podcast. I am joined today by my Knicks specialist in-house, Brandon Carfania, and my good friend Ryan Dieter just to talk about some topics here today. Fellas, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm glad I could make it for the first show, and uh, good luck for many more to come. Yeah, same sentiment from me. Uh, thanks for having me, and excited to get things rolling here. Appreciate it, fellas. I think today will be a good start, and I'm excited to dive into some of the topics. Real quick, I just want to go over uh, you know, about the podcast, about Basketball Society a little bit. Of course, myself, uh, coming from a radio background in school, always love to, to talk to, to fellow hoopsters and, and fellow you know, sports aficionados throughout you know, the entire country. Really, I've, I've had the pleasure to, to speak with a lot of different friends, similar to Ryan and, and Brandon, and you know, I'm excited to, to get this thing going. It's been a work in progress for the past few months. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I think it's going to be good. So, the Basketball Society, if you have not followed them, please do on Twitter at B-Ball Society. Uh, they're really, really on top of their game and, and able to, to really push out some good content. I know both Ryan and Brandon have been following them and, and enjoy kind of involving themselves in some of the daily debates that they take part in. Um, you know, in, in terms of how this show works, uh, I'm looking to, to really have the help from, from you guys. So, if you want to give me a, a follow-out on Twitter at Sunday Fadeaway. Um, you know, a lot of the topics I'm going to be speaking about today with, with Brandon Ryan are coming straight from you guys. Um, you know, I might not agree with everything you guys are saying, but I'm definitely going to talk on it, debate on it. And, you know, you never know, maybe down the road we can get a live show going, get you guys, uh, you know, some call-ins. Um, but at the end of the day, this is all basketball talk, and I'm excited to dive in. So having said that, I know we uh, set up a little bit of an itinerary. And during the week, I set up a Twitter, like I mentioned. And some of the polls that I was talking about that I want to, you know, discuss first um, you know, kind of revolve around the Sixers. Uh, so the one of the polls I ran earlier uh, this week was, should the Sixers fans be worried about Joel Embiid, you know, not being cleared for five-on-five drills yet? You know, a report came out from, from Marcus Spears that he's been doing some non-contact drills and, you know, he should be ready to go by training camp, but has not been cleared yet, uh, you know, for those five-on-five scrimmages or contact drills or whatever it may be. Um, so I asked the question on Twitter, and of course Sixers fans, you know, you know, that saw it were voting, and, and the three choices I gave were yes, no, and, and will it ever end. And, of course, you know, will it ever end is because they've had countless injuries over the seasons. Of course, Joel Embiid only playing in 30-plus games last year over the past really three seasons. Ben Simmons out for the year and, you know, an assortment of other injuries throughout the year. So the Sixers are really crossing their fingers. But I wanted to talk about, and, and, and in my opinion, I, I voted on, on my own poll, um, but I, I don't think that the Sixers should be worried at all. Um, you know, I think maybe it's a little stranger to hear the report, but the Sixers might just be erring on the side of, you know, of, of, of caution right now. Um, you know, don't want to risk anything. There's no point of him scrimmaging in June or July or August or anything like that. If, you know, he'll be ready by training camp. And if that's what the report says, I think that he should be good to go. At the end of the day, it was a meniscus tear. And, and from the reports, I figured that he would be able to come back to the season if they were within playoff contention, if they wanted to win more games. But, of course, the Sixers, you know, you know, tanked a little bit at the end of the year, got the third overall pick, traded up to, to select number one overall with, you know, taking the Celtics pick and, and drafting Markel Fultz. I just want to talk to uh, any of you, either of you guys, if you guys have any, you know, opinions on the fact, um, you know, do you think that they should be worried at all uh, about Joel Embiid, you know, not being cleared yet? So, uh, once again, I just want to say thanks for having me, Ryan. And, and this is Brandon, uh, for those of you who don't know. And, uh, you know, I did vote on the poll, and I have to say I do agree with you for the most part. 
um, that Sixers fans should not be worried. However, I think there has to be um, just a little bit of concern. Um, like you said, the past three years, 31 games from Embiid. And, you know, health has just been such a big question mark with this team. So, you know, you have to be concerned. But like you said, I do think that they are just being extremely cautious with him. I mean, everyone's obviously seen videos come out of him working out, um, working his game, you know, obviously been uh, stepping back to the three-point line, working off the dribble, and he's going to be out there. That's the bottom line. When it, when it comes to preseason, you know, maybe they'll hold him out even until then, some of those games. But, you know, when the regular season starts, Joel Embiid's going to be out there week one. Just one more thing to add. Uh, I, I, I agree as well. Um, I don't think it's a, a big worry. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, but, you know, he is a big man, right? And the, the problem with big men is the stress on the knees, and this was a knee injury. So it might be something to just keep, uh, Sixers fans should keep noted in the back of their heads, something to watch over time. Um, one thing that's good about Joel Embiid is that he has been out with a lot of time, missed a lot of time, but it's not been the same body part that's been injured. It was originally the foot, uh, if I recall correctly, and now it's, now it's the knee. So while, yeah, injury concerns are, are there, um, it, it's a little bit encouraging to see that it's, it's not the same part, body part being injured, and you know he, he does seem like he's going to be ready, uh, whether or not it's um, in the summer or, or early uh, fall. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the overall you know agreement um, you know across the board. But surprisingly, looking at the poll results, um, you know it's still going on. There's still you know a bunch of time left uh, at the poll right now. Um, but you know, it's 35% say, or 36%, excuse me, say that they should be worried. 33% say no, and 31% say will it ever end. So as you could see, you know, from across Twitter, there's there's a lot of concern. Uh, you know, at least mixed feelings about you know being as confident, you know, maybe as they should be with with just a meniscus tear. Uh, just one other thing, quick to add, Ryan. Um, you know, part of the problem last season once Joel. Uh, got injured was the Sixers didn't really have anybody else to kind of you know take over games and, and help them win but that being said they were still in a lot of very close games throughout the rest of the season they just couldn't they just couldn't close them out I think that's going to change a lot this year you have Simmons back you have Fultz now in the building and uh, JJ Redick as well so you, you've got some players there now that weren't there last year um, and might be able to help you win a couple more games even if Joel Embiid does end up missing some time here or there yeah absolutely I mean of course we're going to dive into the Sixers offseason and and really their realistic expectations heading into to this year because I think, you know, that story and that chapter is, is over. Um, you know, they're no longer tanking. They're no longer – it's no longer acceptable for them to be winning 28 to 32 games and, and really, you know, fans being disappointed, you know, most nights. I think it's time to really, you know, crank the switch. They got the guys. They got you know, the young talent. They have the coach. Um, I think they even have some of the depth to, to at least make a push this season for, for the bottom – uh, of the Eastern Conference, a weaker Eastern Conference. Um, but, of course, we'll get into all that in a little bit. Um, the other poll that was ran during this week was what uniform will Kyrie Irving be wearing next season? Now, of course, this is some of the bigger news, um, you know, at this time. Of course, NBA offseason, the draft is done, you know, and a lot of the acquisitions have already happened in terms of free agent signings, which, again, we'll get into in a little bit. But this just almost random to me, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving's story where it was released, uh, you know, a few weeks ago that he no longer wants to be in Cleveland. Rumors came from LeBron's camp, Kyrie not happy with LeBron, you know, Kyrie at weddings with Steph Curry, making fun of LeBron James. 
just really throughout the entire story, it's it's just been strange to me. And, and so I was curious to see, you know, there's been speculations about Knicks and, and Carmelo Anthony trades and, and, you know, maybe the Suns being involved or another team like the Timberwolves or the Nuggets. Um, it's just difficult for me to gauge, you know, how, where he's going to end up. It's so hard for me to believe that after everything that's happened, especially because I believe that, you know, Cleveland is, is coached by LeBron James, is GM by LeBron James, and is owned by LeBron James. And, and LeBron James tends to have a a bigger, you know, kind of ego and, and uh, you know, thing of that nature to, to really have it. Is it too much? Did Kyrie go overboard? Is he going to want him on his team? At times, LeBron's been a little bit of a baby. Um, of course, he's, he's one of the greatest players to ever play, but I just don't know. In, in, in this poll, I, I, I put out the Cavs, the Knicks, the Suns, or other. And, you know, the Cavs did win the poll 33%, but 27% say Knicks. 28% say other, and, and 12% say the Suns. Um, you know, if I had to give my opinion, I just can't see him running out of that tunnel again in Cleveland. I can't see him wearing that, that jersey again. I think when it comes down to it, I think maybe he realizes that he's not going to be able to win a championship over, obviously, the great Golden State Warriors. And at this point, he doesn't want to be the number two to LeBron James. He doesn't want to be in LeBron James' shadow because he is a superstar, and, and if that's what he wants, then, you know, that's what he deserves. So, I can't say for certain I know where he's going to go. I was pretty sold on the Knicks, um, you know, but it's tough with Le- with uh, Carmelo Anthony's no trade clause. And and Brandon's going to speak on this. This is one of the main points that he wanted to speak on, and, and the reason I brought him on because of course he is, you know, a Knicks fan. So I'm going to give him his time to kind of dive in for for a couple minutes and, and kind of give his two cents because I know he he does a lot of reading and, and obviously following up on the Knicks and I know how hard that can be for him at times, you know, to to be following such a, a you know a tough and, and quite frankly, pretty bad organization right now. Um, but Phil Jackson is gone, and, and the Knicks might be on the rise, so I'm going to let Brandon talk for a few minutes about what he thinks of this Kyrie Irving, Carmelo Anthony you know, situation moving into to this NBA season. So there's uh, two things I kind of want to touch base on before I move into uh, you know, the Knicks trading for Kyrie. And uh, first off, you know, although it is very bad, in fact, it, it can't really get much worse, the, the situation between... Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and the Cavs, you know, they are not forced to trade Kyrie Irving. You know, he still has two years left on his deal, and he is a great player. They've been to the finals three years in a row. Um, you know, as difficult as it will be to get them to gel back together if he is indeed back in training camp, they're a great team, and they've shown that they can be successful. Um, the other thing I want to touch base on is just how difficult it is to pull off a trade with uh, somebody as big as Kyrie Irving. I mean, the, if the Cavs are going to make this trade, they're going to need young assets. They're going to need proven veterans, you know, cap relief, things that will not only prepare them for the future, but also right now. LeBron James wants to win right now. You know, the Cavaliers want to keep LeBron here. If they want to keep him here, they're going to have to be successful. So there, there's only a select few teams that have the ability to you know, pull off a trade of that caliber. Um, so going back um, you know, on whether or not the Knicks should trade for Kyrie Irving and you know, whether or not they have the ability to do so, um, you know, I've been pretty outspoken that I don't think that they should make a trade for Kyrie Irving if Carmelo Anthony is willing to... You know, to uh, waive his no trade clause um, and the reason being is if, if you are like I said going to pull off a trade for him there's just so much that you're going to have to give up you know the, the Knicks have worked so hard in these past few years to get where they are believe it or not with how bad Phil Jackson was 
what the next, you know, we have Chris Topps, Porzingis now. We have all of our future first-round picks going forward. There's a building block there with Frank Nelakina and, and Billy Hernan Gomez. So, you know, I don't know if it's just the right thing to do for them right now. If you're going to make a trade for Kyrie Irving, you're going to be giving up Carmelo Anthony. Um, you're going to be giving up at least one first-round pick, most likely two, most likely going to be Frank Nilakina. And at that point, you're, you're giving away basically all of those building blocks that you've you know, been looking for for the past few years. Um, I just don't think it's something that they should be looking into unless they're going to be giving up Carmelo a first round pick and maybe Billy Hernan Gomez. But, you know, that's not something that the Cavs are going to be looking into. There's going to be better offers out there. Uh, I just don't think it's something that they should do. Also, if they did end up trading for Kyrie, you know, they're going to be nothing more than a middling team over the next two years. They have Joe Kim Noah on the roster for three more years at, I believe, $17 million a year. Tim Hardaway just signed that rich contract, which not many people are a fan of it. They're going to be nothing more than a seven or eight team. And at that point, two years down the road, I just, I don't see Kyrie wanting to stay with the Knicks at that point. So, you know, when it comes down to, you know, if I, if I have to ask you this, uh, you think that he stays in Cleveland, but I've, I've had conversations with you. And, and of course, you know, a lot of speculation with LeBron, you know, not being in Cleveland after his term is up next year. You know, where where does that play a part in, in the fact that, you know, if LeBron's leaving, what does he really care if, if Kyrie, you know, stays or goes because he's not going to be there anymore, um, you know, come next, you know, at the end of next season? I think that's a great point. I mean, at this point, it almost seems like LeBron is waiting this year to get out, not that he's not going to compete, not that he doesn't want to get his team to the finals and beat the Warriors more than anything. Um at this point, I, I just do believe LeBron is going to go um, unless, you know, they do trade Kyrie and get uh, a great, you know, return for him. It, it's going to be difficult. That's the bottom line. Let me just throw my two, two cents in real quick. What, what, I, what I can't understand about Kyrie Irving here is, so he wants to leave. He wants to get out of LeBron's shadow. That's, that's what you guys were saying, right? Correct. Um, but if he, if then he also if there's also this sentiment that LeBron James is going to be leaving the Cavaliers, if you're Kyrie Irving, why not wait it out? Get a max, super max deal with the Cavaliers. Don't get as much money to sign somewhere else. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. If if your logic for leaving is, you know, that you don't want to be under LeBron James's shadow, well, in two years you you won't have that problem, and you can, you might have a chance to win a championship in the meantime. It just doesn't make sense to me. To stand out, but but you know this is a guy who thinks the world is flat. So you know <laughs> what, what what are we really arguing with here? No, I I think that's a good point, Ryan. You know, I just maybe he's not sold and he doesn't want to take at this point. This is his peak. You know, this is his prime. This is the best he's going to be, and he's one of the top two point guards realistically in the league in in most people's opinions. Does he want to gamble that LeBron's definitely going to leave? And, you know, if he does take that gamble, LeBron decides to stay with the hometown for the rest of his career, then he's forever in that shadow. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes down to it, having said this and reading the reports, he's already made the decision that whether he believes he's going to win a championship or not, that's not as important to him having his own team. Some of the teams that he's mentioned going to, um, you know, obviously there was you know, four or five teams on speculation when he came out, and, and three of those five, I think, you know, they, 
it would be Kyrie Irving's team. So I think it's been clear that he's decided that you know I want I want them to I want to be the the cornerstone of a franchise. This is as best as I'm going to ever play basketball in my life. So I'm going to take my shot now. I think it's surprising the way that he's done it. I I, I think you know the reports coming out and, and almost the hatred or, or the animosity towards the team and LeBron a little bit has been has been surprising on my end, which just makes it that much more difficult for me to believe that he's going to be in a Cleveland Cavalier jersey because also, like I said, LeBron tends to be a little bit of a baby when it comes to things like that. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we can all say that it's still a question mark, you know. You know, it's no no way that he's we could say he's definitely going to be in a Knicks and no way you can say he's definitely going to be in a Suns or a Nuggets or in a Cavaliers jersey. I think still at this point, obviously, this is the biggest question mark left in free agency. And, and that's what I was saying before. It is just so difficult to execute a trade. Um, I mean, you you look at, in my opinion, I think the two most likely landing spots would be the Suns. Obviously, that's being heavily reported. And then also the Nuggets because they kind of have that mix of veterans and young players that they could trade back. You know, I firmly believe that if Phoenix was willing to include Josh Jackson in a trade, um, that they could probably pull something off with Cleveland. I mean, having both Bledsoe and Jackson would be a massive upgrade for them. Maybe you throw in a guy like TJ Warren where you can play one through four, switching, um, basically positionless basketball. Um, that's that's what Cleveland needs. They need guys that are going to be able to defend, guys that are going to be able to shoot threes. Uh, they just don't have enough of those playmakers on the team right now. So those are going to be the you know the two major things that, they're looking for in a trade and and there's just it's not going to be easy yeah i i don't think that anything's going to be easy um and you know in terms of uh you know moving forward you know with this i think that this is a conversation that the sunday fadeaway and and obviously all media is going to be talking about for a while i don't think his decision is going to be coming anytime soon he's going to wait it out i think he's gonna be having conversations with with you know obviously you know, the members of the Cavaliers, LeBron James, uh, his family, and, and other teams. I think he's just going to, you know, kind of feel it out. And obviously it's not his decision. It's He's not a free agent. You know, obviously he needs to be traded. So it's still in the Cavaliers' hands. But you, he can really force the Cavs' hands if he, if he wanted to. And I'll tell you what, we're into August already. I mean, yeah. this is going to be closing in quick. You know, you know we're, we're going to get close to September, and it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's exciting, and, and at the same time, I mean, such a big player, you know, such such a, a superstar in the league, and to have such a question mark on on August, what is it, August second or August whatever day it is right now, um, is 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 huge. So I think that you know this is is important, and you know we're going to continue to discuss this down the line. Um, and you know that's that's the one big topic this week on the Sunday fadeaway. What I'm going to do, you know, every week, and you know I'm going to attempt to have guests uh, similar to, to Brandon and, and Ryan on the show, is kind of figure out what that one big topic is, and, and then you know dive into that for for a bulk of the show. Um, but then also within Twitter, uh, you know, I'm open to mentions, I'm open to debates, I'm open to topics, um, and, and just 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 hit me up on on at Sunday fadeaway or hit up at B Ball Society, 
I'm happy to discuss anything you want to do. And, and that's what I have a list here of. You know, people have reached out to me, so me and, and, and Ryan and the guys are going to, you know, go through some of these and, and talk about them because I, I think, you know, it's important, especially at this point in the season. You know, the season has started. Like I said, the draft is over. The signings are, you know, mostly done. You know, we want to, you know, it, the fun part of it is is the debates of, of you know, kind of just pre-existing teams or existing, you know, players already. So the first one that was brought up was brought up by, uh, you know, a friend and, in, 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 you know, a former colleague of mine. He wanted me to talk about the Celtics um, – in, in terms of their positionless offense, and I know that that Brandon has you know had a had a big you know ex, he likes this this positionless offense, and and I don't know I, I was thinking about it, and and I just I'm not sure you know if it's gonna work. I mean, in today's league, it's something that is is really trending that way. You know, obviously the big man in terms of the Dwight Howards of the world and, and the Clint Capellas of the world, they're not around and or not nearly as effective anymore, which is why you need somebody like one through four, like a Draymond Green, of course, that can, can run the floor, can even run the point. And, and that's kind of what the, the Celtics have turned into, uh, trying to mimic the Warriors. But having said that, you can't beat the Warriors at their own game, so does it really matter? I just always comes back to this point is that the Warriors are so goddamn good that does anything you do matter because you're not going to, you're not going to play better than them you're not going to you know do you're not going to play their game better than them so why try to mimic the same playbook and I'm not saying that's what Brad Stevens is trying to do but at the end of the day that's what it looks like and and the players that the Celtics put on the floor obviously Gordon Hayward signing is huge still not better than the Warriors I'll tell you what isn't it just baffling how the Warriors have been able to retain all of their guys from last year and then go out and add somebody like Nick Young. Literally get uh, better. Omer, <laughs> it reminds you of a basketball version of the Patriots, right? How do they have all these great players and still fit under the cap? You check the numbers, you're like, I guess it works out. They but literally it's, lost it's, Ian Clark and added just, they re-signed everybody else. I mean, people taking pay, Kevin Durant took a pay cut. Higadala taking a pay cut. They were able to re-sign McGee. And then, like you guys mentioned, Omer Caspi is a great shooting four. And Nick Young, everybody knows about Swaggy P. I mean, he's able to to light it up at times. And I'm sure on the Warriors, when you got guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Nick Young is going to garner no attention on the floor, and he'll be able to do his thing. Yeah, uh, but I think you're exactly right. It it is so difficult to try to beat them at their own game. They get up and down the court so fast. They're obviously just lethal from three. Probably the greatest team in NBA history from there. It, Everybody's able to defend. I mean, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and and Draymond Green have just proven that they can basically all be elite defenders. Um, but at the same time, I think that's what you're going to have to do. You you have to have guys that can play one to four and switch. And you know you got to have a guy at the five being able to protect the rim, you know, run the rim on on offense, you know, pick and rolls. I think that the the Celtics are doing the right thing. You know, they have young guys. You're talking about Marcus Smart. You're talking about Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jay Crowder. All these guys can do these things. I think that you have to hope for an injury, you know, as much. As much as that, you know, it doesn't sound unlikely, great. Yeah. But that, that's what you're hoping for at this point. If you're another team, you're going to go and you're going to compete. But if you want to beat them, that's looking like what has to happen. With with that Gordon Hayward signing, um, and, and just say that Kyrie stays in Cleveland, are they good enough to 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 at least meet the Warriors in the finals? I personally think that they are going to be able to compete with the Cavaliers. I think that they have 
done a lot. You know, going against LeBron James is no easy task. What is it? Eight finals appearances in a row, something, yep. something like yep. that. Eight. Um, so, but I, I do really believe that they have done a lot. They have a lot of guys that can score, a lot of guys that can defend. When you're putting out, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jay Crowder, pick, you know, they're deep. They're extremely deep. And that's something that the Cavs have shown that, you know, they're not exactly. I mean, you got Darren Williams coming on the floor in the finals doing absolutely nothing. You know, J.R. Smith proved he can hang around, but... Aside from LeBron James and, and Kyrie Irving, there's not a lot of guys that can make plays on that team. And it just seems like the Celtics are full of them. Just going back real quick, you guys were talking about the, the dominance of the Warriors. And um, Brandon, I think it was you who said uh, you're hoping for injuries at this point. And I'm, I'm wondering if that says something about the state of the NBA right now. If, you know, the, the only hope of beating the, the, the number one team is to hope for injuries. What, what do you guys think about the Warriors and their, um, you know, the, the, what they're doing to the NBA right now? Do you think they're helping the NBA, hurting the NBA? Is it good or bad to have a team that this, that is this dominant? I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, blame them in, in, in a situation. Uh, I think oh, it's such a tough question because uh, their basketball is so crisp. And if you're a true basketball fan outside of the entertainment aspect, if you just like the game of basketball, just they play it so well, you know what I mean? So it's it's hard for me to say that, you know, what they're doing to the sport of basketball is bad. But I understand where fans are saying it's almost, you know, written off that it's the Warriors and the Cavs and, and the Warriors, you know, taking it in the finals because, you know, that that that, that does take the fun out of it, you know, a little bit. So so I get that part of it. And, and if I didn't like the Warriors, I would definitely completely understand that because who wants, you know, obviously it's similar. Like you said, you mentioned NFL, very similar to the Patriots. You know, a lot of people don't like the Patriots because of their dominance and how good Belichick and Brady are. And, you know, at the end of the day, it just comes down to the fan bases being jealous that their team can't sustain a run, you know, which is as similar as or as close to a dynasty as we have seen, of course, since, since Jordan's Bulls. So I'm okay with it because I enjoy watching them play basketball because, to me, I think they've revolutionized the game and they've changed the way that the game is played. I think Draymond Green is a huge part of that. And then, obviously, you know, Steph and Clay being two of the greatest shooters of all time. So, you know, I, I remember seeing the other day, a couple of days ago, Basketball Society had actually put up a, a tweet, you know, you know, what's a team in the NBA that you just can't stand to watch? And I saw a couple people um, mention the Warriors, and that's just kind of alluding to your point. It It is difficult it, when you're seeing a team be so successful, especially when your team can be as dysfunctional as the Knicks <laughs> and you see everything go so right. I, I'm kind of torn on that. It, I like to try to appreciate greatness. Um no matter who the team is, but I can't say it is. It is pretty frustrating to me. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm torn on it, Ryan. Yeah. So here's here's my take on it. Um, I I didn't uh, you know I I didn't really watch a whole lot of the playoffs just because I knew what the end result was going to be. Yeah. To be honest with you, and you know at at first when it was just you know when it was just Steph and Clay and Draymond. I didn't like the Warriors because of what you said, the jealousy aspect, mm -hmm. right? right? How How is it that this team can be so much better than everybody else, right? But but now when they added KD, my opinion kind of shifted, you know? I'm not so much mad at the Warriors anymore because, you know, they, they, they built this team through the draft, their main pieces, right? But then they added KD, and KD left a team that arguably was a couple pieces away from, you know, knocking off the Warriors. That was a pretty tight series. 
uh, a couple years ago. Of course. Um, so you know, I, I just, I just think KD comes off as like a more of a villain um, than than even LeBron James did when he was in Miami those first couple of years. Um, and I just don't, I just don't think it's good for basketball to have two, you know, um, hegemons out there just running the league. Um, and I think it would be a lot better if there was if there was parity. And you know the NBA is not set up to have parity. You know, um, they try to limit the the amount of teams that can do quick turnarounds and come back into it. Um, but yeah, th- those are just my thoughts on it. I was interested to hear what you guys had to say. Yeah, and and you know it's it's hard to disagree at, at any point in in terms of this conversation because it's opinion based. Um, you know, on on the fact that they're so good. Obviously, with Kevin Durant, you know he he does come off as a villain, and I hated the move because I loved the Warriors before that happened. I didn't think they needed Adam. But having said that, he balled out in the finals, and he proved his point, and he took a massive pay cut to stay on the team. So it shows that winning does mean a lot to him. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think we, you know, went off, you know, task a little bit in terms of the positionless offense, but I I get what they're doing. I just don't think that they're going to be able to do it as well as the Celtics or or as the Warriors. The Celtics aren't going to be able to do as well as the Warriors are doing it. Um, you know, next in terms of, uh, you know, tweets that were, were shot at us, um, is, you know, a lot, you know, kind of tie in together in terms of the, the Sixers, the playoffs and, and some of the rookie of the year predictions. Uh, people mentioned to me, you know, do you think Simmons is being overlooked in, in the rookie of the year predictions? Cause don't forget he is a rookie of the year, or he is a rookie, um, you know, having last year off and, and, you know, Markel Fultz, another rookie, um, you know, obviously being drafted by the Sixers and, and you have Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson and, and guys of, of, of that stature. It's a loaded draft class. Um, so I think, you know, talking about the Rookie of the Year is, is, is a great topic. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's hard. I, I think that Simmons is being overlooked because if he was in that Rookie of the Year class last year, I think he has a legitimate shot. And I still think he has a legitimate shot this year. It's just nobody's looking at him as a rookie. And, and you know, I, I think we've seen that before because guys he's been around and, you know, he's he's had his – his time on the court shooting around he's got he's gotten you know publicized for for being a part of the Sixers but you know at the end of the day he is still a rookie he's never played an NBA basketball game I don't think he's going to win it in my opinion I think uh, Fultz is going to take rookie of the year Um, I just think that he's going to be able to play so many minutes you know where Jason Tatum's on a you know already very dominant Celtics team I don't think Josh Jackson's going to be able to to produce the scoring numbers to be considered as you know the rookie of the year I think obviously Lonzo Ball has a good shot in a similar situation with a not great Lakers team um and and of course uh De'Aaron Fox as well so there's there's a lot of guys in my opinion it's a toss-up and you know it might be a little biased being a Sixers fan um but but I think that Marco Fultz is Fultz is gonna gonna take it this year with with numbers uh 16, 17 points a game, you know, five, six rebounds a game, and, and you know, five assists a game. I think you know, those are solid numbers. I think he's going to mesh well with, uh, you know, with Joel Embiid. Um, but, but again, there's so many guys that you could choose from, and I'm sure that, you know, Ryan and, and, and Brandon aren't going to choose, you know, the same pick that I have. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it is with the Sixers, there's not a ton of depth behind them where, you know, with uh, you're talking about De'Aaron Fox, they uh, just signed George Hill, I believe it was. Um, the Lakers did, did they sign Rondo? Uh, I know that they had just signed another veteran point guard. Yeah, no, I he's, he that they didn't. Oh no, sign that, him that was the money. Pelicans, right? Um, you know, that's the thing. You got to have the opportunities. You got to have the minutes. There's so many guys right now. They can do a lot of things. Obviously, Lonzo score, rebound, you know, assists. Um, but ultimately, I do think it will most likely come from Ben Simmons or Fultz. 
of the NBA nowadays, people love scoring guards. So I do think it'll also come from Fultz. Uh, not a lot of competition there at point guard. You, you have Jared Bayless. You have uh, TJ McCollum. TJ McCollum. God, he's so underrated. Oh. But uh, <laughs> McConnell, correct. What do we call him? I call him McCollum. It's CJ McCollum. But uh, yeah, no. Ultimately, I do think that it will be Markel Fultz. Um, yeah, that's that's huh. Ryan. I'm surprised you agreed. Yeah, I, I have a different take on this here. Um, I think I think Fultz and Simmons are both going to have great seasons. I think um, you know it might be to the point that they're so great that they might cancel each other out a little bit. Um, you know, Joel Embiid's also there as well, um, playing in his first, hopefully, full season as well. Um, so I, I think it's going to be Lonzo Ball, just because when the Lakers got something good going on, um, they, it gets a lot of focus, and I think he's going to get a lot of attention. He's going to put up probably probably pretty good numbers. Um, I don't think there's any disagreement that he'll, um, no. barring injury, he'll he'll put up some good numbers. So I think just because you know the Lakers uh, have that media bias, I, I think. Rookie of the year might might be coming from out there. I mean, obviously, Ball, you know, definitely played extremely well in the summer league. Uh, you know, besides that first game, which was atrocious, he was the summer league MVP. You know, having uh, I think it was two or maybe even three triple doubles. So, you know, he really played really well. And of course, he's got Lavar Ball on his side. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to get Ryan. Yeah, we're gonna give him his time. Yeah, don't even get me started <laughs> on that guy. I'll give you I'll give you your time at the end of the show. I know Ryan's been bugging me to to. Give him his 30 seconds of LeVar Ball talk. Um, yeah, but having said that, you know, when it comes down to it, I think there's it's such a good class and one of the better classes we've seen. There's a lot of talent, uh, talent spread out in a lot of different teams that are, you know, going to get a chance to play some big minutes. Um, so I think it's going to be fun to watch. You know, Ryan, I have a quick question for you because um, I've seen a lot of uh, tweets, a lot of things being said by Ben Simmons about how he's the true point guard of this team. Um, I think a, a roster came out. And uh, he had mentioned how he was the point guard of the team. So I'm curious how you, you know, they're going to distribute that um, between who's going to handle the ball between Fultz and, and Simmons. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think Simmons is, is going to be in the starting lineup as the three, but I think he's going to act as that. He's gonna, it's, it's similar to the LeBron James situation. You know what I mean? Kyrie Irving is slated as the point guard, but a lot of times LeBron takes the ball up. I think it's going to be a similar situation, and I don't think Fultz is going to have a problem with that. I think he's going to learn to play better off the ball because he's going to have to in the NBA to, to be as good as he wants to be um, and as good as he can be. So I, I see that Simmons, you know, barring, again, any injuries or anything like that, any complications, I see him being the primary ball handler for the Sixers. He's just got such a good eye, you know what I mean? He He's big, but he plays, and his vision on the court is, is similar to, to somebody of, of a starting point guard stature. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited to see him get out there. I am too. I, you know, as a, I mean, you're a Knicks fan, so I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, obviously, you know, being, you know, the Knicks don't have as nearly as much promise as as the Sixers do, and you know, we've both been through those ruts. Um, but you know, Sixers kind of finally see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I hope for for your sake that that soon the Knicks do as well. Huh. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I tied that in quickly. I, I just want to touch real quickly. Also, somebody asked us about Marco Fultz saying, you know, how, you know, the Sixers are definitely going to make the playoffs, a lot of confidence brewing. And I think that's great. Um, and, and I think the fact that it is, is that the Eastern Conference is weak. Obviously, if they're in the Western Conference, there's no shot. They're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. But I think if everybody, everything stays healthy and, and everybody stays healthy and, you know, they kind of perform on par with the, what they can do and, or at least what they're slated to do. I don't see why they wouldn't reach, you know, a seven or eight seed. Yeah, just real quick, give me eight teams in the Eastern Conference that are 
miles ahead of the Sixers, definitely better than them, absolutely going to be playoff seeds over them. You can't do it. They'll at least be in the mix, which is, I think, what the city of Philadelphia is looking for this season. Um, I think it would be phenomenal if they if they make the playoffs. But I think, you know, getting close, showing signs of progress, having health uh, throughout the season, I think those are, you know, much, much more important goals. Um, the playoffs would be nice, but re- realistically, even if you get into the playoffs, how, how much are you going to get done? Um, you still have LeBron James in, in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics look really good. So, you know, you could win a series, but other, other than that, how how far you really want this team to go, how far you really think they can go, um, I, I still think they're a couple years away from truly contending. Um, but six, seven, eight seed, definitely, definitely in the picture. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the motto that everybody knows is trust the process and they're going to continue to do that. But I think more than that now, it's time for progress at the end of the day, you know, it's time for them to see. Did, did you just make a new catchphrase? Trust the progress? <laughs> no, time for progress. So it's no longer trust the process. It's time for progress. Time for progress. Sorry about that. Um, you know, I think, like you said, I, I agree with you. They don't have to go to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. But the city of Philadelphia, the Sixers fans have been so loyal and stuck with them through these very difficult times of, of the Hollis Thompsons of the world, the Tony Rotens of the world, the Henry Sims of the world. You know, they're ready for this. They deserve this. And as long as the Sixers can show fight and, you know, when it comes down to that 80th, 81st, 82nd game of the regular season, those games mean something, you know, for for a playoff push. I'll tell you what. They started to add some good depth to this team. I mean, you you got – I personally think that the signing of Amir JJ. Johnson was very underrated. Obviously, J.J. is going to be great veteran presence on that team. Um, you, you got Timotei Luwalu, who's only getting better – you still have Rashawn Holmes on there. Justin Anderson was a good ad for them. There's a lot of guys on this roster, and, and these guys are going to fight. You know, you can see it in, in everybody. They, they just want to win. They want to be heard. They want guys to come here, and it seems like that's finally starting to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the one mistake maybe the Sixers made over the past, you know, two or three seasons was letting New Orleans Noel go. I think he runs so well with the team and still being stuck with Julio Okafer's is a little bit unfortunate, not only for the Sixers, but I just feel bad for Okafor. I think he's stuck in a bad situation, um, and and I just I don't you know obviously everybody knows that they were trying to trade him, and they still haven't been able to get rid of him. So you know I, I think that's tough, but I think you know some way they'll they'll make it work. Well, I hope they move him soon because until you said his name, I forgot he was even on the team. You know all this buzz about you know Simmons and Bede hopefully be having a full year and Fultz and, and JJ Redick. I mean Jaleel Okafor, who you know like. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's tough. And, and like I said, I feel for the guy because what value does he have anymore? They know that he can't play defense, and they know he slows down the offense. And in this league and the way that the Warriors revolutionized the game, people need to get up and down the floor. So I think uh, I think he's a good basketball player, but the way that the game's going now, I think he might have a little bit of a tough time in, in, you know, in the next few years. Um, there's a few more points I want to touch on quickly. I know that, you know, this has been a great, you know, first episode and I appreciate you guys listening in to the Sunday fadeaway. Uh, there's two more here that we were, you know, thrown towards the, the Twitter at Sunday fadeaway or at B-Ball Society. Um, this one is someone who's talking about Milwaukee and I thought it was an interesting point because, you know, it's, it's not, you know, mainstream topic. Um, you know, Giannis, uh, Antipacupo. I can never pronounce that. I can never pronounce that name. I don't think I'll ever be able to, let alone spell it. Um, Greek freak. That's all you got to know. The Greek freak. Love him. Obviously, huge superstar in this league. Should Milwaukee fans be nervous about him potentially leaving in the next three years? Because if you look at it, the next best player on Milwaukee is Jason Kidd. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, no, but you know, realistically, he is their whole franchise. So is it something that they should be nervous about? Absolutely. I mean, why not? I mean, that's that's a similar situation to you know a superstar. You know, obviously not of LeBron James stature, but you know, look at the Jazz. Should they have been nervous that that Gordon Hayward might leave? Yeah, and he did, and and now the Jazz are depleted. So. I think definitely they should be nervous about it because, you know, if they don't make a push, obviously they made the playoffs last year and, you know, we're a five seed playing against the Raptors, but they need to make some serious, you know, movement in the playoffs, at least towards the Eastern Conference Finals, or I don't see why he would stay. Yeah, I think it's a good point, first off. I I like what Milwaukee's doing. I think they've added some good young talent, you know, Chris Middleton, uh, Jabari Parker, if he can come back healthy. Rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. You have Thawne Maker. There's a lot of guys on that team that can do a lot of things, like I was talking about before, you know, defend, shoot threes. Um, at the same time, you just you have to be a little bit nervous. You know, they're not a big market. They still need to get another guy that can show to be, you know, the Robin to Giannis's Batman. Um I I still think that they're okay right now. They're getting better. I think Jabari has to come back healthy, mm-hmm. has to give something to this team. But you got to be a little worried. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think you know, like I said, how could you not be worried about losing such a a talent like that? Okay, great. So the last topic that was sent just uh, a few moments ago, you know, that I wanted to touch on, which I think is a really good question. Obviously, overall the off season, like I said, the you know the Kyrie trade and Nerlens Noel is is you know really the top player left unsigned or you know you know he's a free restricted free agent. Which move this off season that's already happened has the biggest impact on a team? And you know obviously I think the easy answer is Gordon Hayward, but I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Gordon Hayward. Or I'm gonna choose it for a different way. I think the biggest impact is on the Jazz because. Gordon Hayward fit in Utah, and he's such a such a good player, and he's going to make the Celtics, you know, take that next level for sure. But when you look at it, he really, really depleted depleted the the Jazz. I mean, they have Gobert, but he's obviously you know more of a defender, let, let alone not a scorer. They added Ricky Rubio, who's who's definitely not a scorer. So they just lose so much scoring and, and just you know that cornerstone of a franchise and where are they going to find that next i just think that's such a big impact on a team that you know was starting to climb the 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 tough western conference you know made the playoffs and you know we're battling there and you know in a series um you know with the clippers and i just think i i just think it's a shame for the jazz i get the move by hayward cuz he you know he realistically you know wants to play in the finals maybe and was able to get maybe a little bit more money from boston but it's just t- so tough to see on on the jazz you know, in an off season where there's been a lot of guys that have been on the move, you talk about Chris Paul, you talk about Paul George, Jimmy Butler. Um, it's it's an interesting point for you to make. I still have to say that Gordon Hayward going to the Celtics is the biggest, just because I still don't believe any of those teams in the Western Conference can beat the Warriors, barring an injury, like we had said before, um, and like I had just said earlier in the podcast. I think that the Celtics do have a chance against the Cavs, um, greater than any chance that any team would have against the Warriors in the Western Conference. Um, I like what the Rockets did with Chris Paul. Still not sure about the fit. You know, maybe they add Carmelo. They can do some things. Don't think it's going to be enough to beat the Warriors. Um, I like the addition of Paul George. And um, also going back to the T-Wolves, I think Jimmy Butler is going to be great for that team and see if they can develop a couple years down the road. They're just not at that point right now. Yeah, this might be um, a little, I don't want to say controversial, but, it, you know, we're, we're in Philadelphia. 
Um, so, and I know we've talked a lot about the Sixers, but I think J.J. Redick <laughs> getting signed by the Sixers is actually a pretty big move because, like I said earlier, uh, last year when Embiid got injured, they didn't have you know the roster of guys that could close out winnable games. And and I think him and you know a couple of the other guys that they've added recently um, are definitely going to allow them to do that. And I think that's a big reason why I think the 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 playoff talk is you know so rampant in this city is because you know they've improved the roster in such a way that it's, it's going to make an impact in this market going against the grain ryan like Dieter, that. uh jj reddick obviously i i think you know within the city of philadelphia a huge signing to get a veteran presence um you know and, and also somebody obviously could shoot from the outside they need as big as Paul George, as big as Gordon Hayward, as big as Chris Paul, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. But having said that, I think, you know, it is a big move for the Sixers, obviously also adding Amir Johnson. Um, there's been a lot of big moves, and, and I think, like like Brandon mentioned, um, you know, the Timberwolves are, are, are making progress. they got a good young team. Carl Anthony Towns is going to be the best big man in the league, in my opinion, in two years. He's already on his way. Andrew Wiggins is a great young superstar that needs to learn to play a little bit better defense. Jimmy Butler's already one of the better two-way guards the league has right now. Um, so, you know, it's 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 a big, big offseason, and I think it's changed a lot of teams. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, still nobody is good enough to beat the Warriors, you know, barring an injury like we mentioned. So we'll see what happens. I think, you know, it definitely was a good offseason for the NBA. Still a couple big moves to make. Um, but having said that, you know, those are – you know, those are just, you know, some of the topics that we're going to talk about on, you know, a weekly basis. You know, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, this is just the start. You know, I'm just, you know, we're just getting the shows, just getting their feet under them. Um, we're going to come up with, uh, you know, topics that we're going to talk about on a weekly basis. But, you know, having said that, at the end of every show, what I want to do is something called the buzzer beater, which was uh, given to me by my friend Ryan here. He also, by the way, um, you know, was, was you know, an anchor in, in creating the Sunday fadeaway name. So I'm going to give him his 30 seconds. It's going to be called the buzzer beater. Realistically, I'm probably going to change that to 24 seconds because I just thought of it and I really liked it for the shot clock. Um, but uh, I'm going to let him talk about LeVar Ball. I don't want him to get too much time because this is you know a media problem. But he's he's begged me, so I'm going to give him his buzzer beater time. So go ahead. Well, First of all, I don't know if beg is the right word, but you're, you're exactly right when you say that's a media problem. Um, a lot of the things that this guy is doing and saying is just to get attention, and he's getting the you know the wrong types of attention. I think back to a couple months ago uh, when he did an interview on Colin Cowherd's show on Fox Sports, uh, and he was blatantly disrespectful to Christine Leahy, um, which I thought was ridiculous. She's kind to everybody that comes on that show, and she seems like a pretty good person. Um, so for him to act the way he did, that really struck a, a nerve with me. Um, just going forward, then he does the ridiculous thing, when he was on Monday Night Raw a couple weeks ago, he not only did he get booed in the Staples Center, when he introduced Lonzo to come out and, and join the show, Lonzo Ball got booed at the Staples Center. That's the effect that this guy is having on, you know, the city of L.A. where his, his kids are likely going to end up staying for a little while. And um, just fans in general, they don't like him. And I think it's starting to cloud people's view of Lonzo as well. And Lonzo's a good player in his own right. I don't think he needs the you know the type of promotion that his father is giving him, and I think that Lonzo needs to you know settle his dad down a little bit because I don't want to see a good player get get taken off track here. Yeah, I, I could definitely agree with that. Like I said, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't think he deserves the attention. I think he is uh, you know taking away from Lonzo because Lonzo's so far not like that. You know, he he wrote out 
he wrote an article on on the Players Tribune about how his dad's always been the loudest player in the in the gym. But you know, it's it's been more than that now. It's it's you know it's past laughable some of the things he's done. Obviously, you know, with the the female referee at the uh, Adidas tournament and, and having that whole situation, like you mentioned on on the Coward Show, and he's just done some things that you know shouldn't be talked about. He shouldn't be relevant. Lonzo Ball's the player, you know, LeVar's never been the guy, and I think, you know, he's trying to steal the spotlight, and, and I think, you know, it's really become a problem within the media, so I want to keep it at that, I want to cap that, I know that you're ready to grab the mic back, but he's really not deserving of any time on, on my show on the Sunday Fadeaway, so... Having said that, I think it's been a great first show. Guys, I appreciate it. I think we definitely were able to get into some you know, really good conversations, and I think it's only going to go up from here. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed listening. You can follow me at this or at Sunday Fadeaway on Twitter. Shoot me any ideas, anything you want to talk about. Also, again, this is a Basketball Society uh, podcast, so shoot them a follow um, at B-Ball Society. And again, take a look at um, my Twitter, and you could see the logo there of the Sunday Fadeaway done by you know my good friend Tyler DeLong. You know, one of the, one of the better you know graphics people I've ever really kind of had the the pleasure of, of working with. Uh, he was able to put that together. It's a real clean look. Um, you know, so if you have anything similar to or anything any work that you're trying to be done, be sure to let me know and be able to get you over his contact information. But again, you know, it's it's been fun. I think you know basketball season only is going to get better. Um, so I think it's you know definitely going to be an enjoyable weekly show. I hope the following continues to grow. Um, but again, thank you guys for listening. This is the Sunday Fadeaway Podcast, a basketball society. Um, you know, production, and we look forward to speaking with you next week.